Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We exist to be a community that seeks God and serves people. We're so glad that you've joined us today. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Thank you, Abigail, for reading our passage for the day. We have... Uh, This week is kind of a gap week between series, if you will. And we just finished up the Psalms, and then after this, we're going to talk about Advent. So I really hope that uh, if you've never heard of Advent or participated in a church that does something like Advent, really want to invite you to be a part of that because it's going to be exciting. But this week, uh, we have our gap week. I was just trying to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to say, potentially, and I came across this passage in Galatians 2, the one that we just read. And it's a passage where Paul does something very bold. He looks at a fellow apostle and says, you got to change your act up. You're not doing this right. Pretty bold move, especially considering that he wasn't one of the original 12 or 13, if you will. And he even persecuted the church. Pretty bold move for a guy like that, I would say. And really, just to open us up, I wanted to highlight a story in classic literature from the brothers, I'm going to mess this up, the brothers Karamazov. I think that's roughly right. But if it's not, correct me afterwards. Um, It's Dostoevsky's, one of his famous novels one of the most famous novels in Russian literature. And in this novel, we meet a character that you might call the scum of the earth. So there's three brothers. The story's kind of revolving around them, but in the very beginning of the story, it revolves around their father, Fyodor. This man is the scum of the earth. If you don't believe me, read the book. This man had three boys, probably four, one out of wedlock because he took advantage of somebody. But with the first three boys, he had them in two marriages, and in those marriages, he married for money. And then he became incredibly wealthy when they died. But not only this, not only did he gain wealth in an illegitimate, unethical way, he even deprives one of his sons of his inheritance. He won't even give his sons money when they need it. He's greedy. He's slimy. You just don't like this guy. And if you read the book, it feels like he gets what's coming to him. But I wanted to highlight Fyodor because he's greedy. He has an inheritance to give, but he doesn't. And I wanted to highlight that this morning because this passage reveals two things. 
This is not an easy message to preach, by the way. Anything from Paul is always hit or miss. Like, is this going to be something I'm excited to preach or something I'm nervous to preach? This is the latter. I'm a little bit nervous to preach this, but I'm trusting that this is the Word of God and that we are people who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and that we're going to walk away from this text better Christians. Okay? So this passage comes with two things. It comes with a warning and it comes with a call. The warning. The warning is this. If you have an inheritance, do not deprive other people of that inheritance. That's the essential warning. If you have an inheritance, do not deprive people who, have, who are supposed to have that inheritance. In Dostoevsky's novel, Fyodor, the father, does not follow this warning. And he ends up dead. But it's not just that if you don't follow this that you're going to die. Chances are most of us will die before Jesus returns. That's not the warning. The warning is that if you deprive others of their inheritance that you will live such a life leading to death. A life that leads to death deprives others of their inheritance. So let me spell this out a little more clearly in modern terms so that we can really understand what's going on here. Paul is mad at Peter. He's mad at Peter because Peter starts out as this guy who's like, I had this vision in Acts chapter 10 that I'm supposed to include Gentiles in my meals and I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with everybody. And then people, you can imagine, of this first century political party called the pro-circumcision, the pro-Jewish way of life, exclusively Jewish way of life. People from that political party come to Peter and say, ooh, you really shouldn't be associating with those Gentiles. You shouldn't be sitting at the same table as them because they might not be circumcised, or worse, they might eat meat that you're not supposed to eat. Peter believes it. And Peter starts to disassociate himself with Gentiles. And, and if you're a Jewish person, you might understand the temptation to say, ooh, I don't know if I really should be eating with these people right now. They're sinners. But Paul, who also was Jewish, has something to say to that. This is what he says. If you, although you are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you try to force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And that's kind of a mouthful, but really it comes down to this. The goal of Judaism was to reach the nations. It was not to be an exclusive, to-myself kind of community. It was supposed to be a community for the world. And Paul says, because of Christ Jesus... You can't live that way anymore. You can't live so exclusive that people who are begging to know God are excluded from him all of a sudden. 
that way of life of excluding people leads to death. That's the warning. It's not just, again, it's not just like my heart stops and I'm done. It's this idea that if I continue down this path, I am living a life distracted from Christ. I'm not living for Christ. Bottom line, where do I really have an inheritance in Christ if I feel so confident that I can say, no, you're not welcome at my table. So let's bring this into modern terms. Because that we live in 2020. Most of us are Gentiles. I don't know if anybody even has remotely close ties with Judaism. If you do, that's awesome. I'd love to learn from you. But most of us are Gentiles and thoroughly non-Jewish. It's just the way we grew up. But let me say this. What can make sense is asking ourselves not just who vocally and visibly and physically I exclude, but who do I exclude in my heart? Who do I disqualify from the inheritance of Christ's victory? We just have to get real for a second. We have to get really real. Because... Paul, later on in chapter 3 of Galatians, will say there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no male and female. All are one in Christ Jesus. He's later going to say that. But to get there, we have to understand his warning that Peter needed to be rebuked. And maybe if we are also excluding people, maybe we need to be rebuked a little bit too in order that we can understand what it means that all are one in Christ. So let me give you a few examples from today. At the table of Jesus, if you are a Republican, there's going to be Democrats at the table. If you're a Democrat, there's going to be Republicans at the table. Sorry to tell you. If you're a man, there are going to be women at the table of Jesus. Women. There's going to be men at the table of Jesus. Adults. There's going to be children at the table of Christ. We cannot exclude people on the outward appearance. That's not our right to do that because the inheritance is not just mine. It's not mine to hoard. It's not mine to cling to. It belongs to anybody who says, I am justified by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And I want to just make a quick note about a few things that you're going to see in this passage, and I'm glad we read it. Uh, that way up there, where it says, for example, I live because of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But probably the better translation of that is I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God. It's not my faith in Christ that saves me. It's really the faithfulness of Jesus that saves me. 
And it might sound like a very technical thing, and it might sound like I'm nitpicking, but it kind of changes the way we look at this. And I think I might have a chance at not viewing that inheritance from Christ as just mine if I don't just view it as my faith in Jesus, but rather looking at, looking at it as the faithfulness of Jesus that saves me and how I live. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So, to sum up the warning, before I get to the call, to sum up the warning, if I live in such a way that I can look at anybody whose outward appearance does not match what I think a Christian should look like, and I say, you're not welcome at my table, I'm wrong. Every time. If someone is wanting to know Jesus, but I exclude them because of some outward appearance, I'm in the wrong. And the warning is that that way of life leads to death. And it's not, again, not just what we do on the outside that matters. It could be something within our hearts that needs to have a deep change. So let me say this. There's a call as well. There's a call for us in this passage. The call is to be so radically in love with Christ that I can't help but associating with everybody who's different than me. Because the radical love of Christ does not see the differences that we see. Because Christ doesn't distinguish between Jew and Greek, between male and female, between slave and free, between rich and poor, between adults and children, between your political party or my political party. Christ's love does not make that distinction. So here's the call. We have to be the embodiment of the unity that Jesus has with the Father. It's challenging. It's not easy to do this. But we have to be. And here's why. And I'm begging you to see this. When we live unified, we are a testimony that Jesus is faithful. When we live divided, we're proving Caesar's point. And here's Caesar's point. I can divide you up however I want to my benefit and it proves that somehow some way Caesar has power in this world I don't know about you but I don't want to live that way. I want to live in such a way that it's so abundantly clear that there is somebody on the throne of heaven and earth and his name is Jesus. It's not Caesar. So in doing this, in this call, when we, if we're going to live unified, I just have one thing to ask of you. Find your primary source of life in Christ. 
We live in a world of disinformation and fake news and all sorts of other things. We live in a world of addiction. Instead of filtering your life and your thoughts through others, filter it through Christ. Because when we do that, we don't have anything else to say, but you're all welcome at my table. We don't have any right to say, sorry, you need to make $10,000 more a year to sit at my table. Sorry, you're not the right gender to be at this table. We don't have a right to say that anymore. Because we know without a doubt that the reason Paul rebuked Peter is because he did not want to prove that some earthly king was Lord. He wanted to prove and remind everybody the reality. Jesus is Lord. And I just want to ask you to come with me on that. It's hard. I, I'm tempted to make my own divisions. But I want to invite you to do the same. Please come with me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. Because I want to follow you as you follow Christ. Let's do this together. I feel like I'm a broken record saying that. Let's do that together. We cannot make these divisions anymore. The world might divide us by race, by politics, by money, by gender. But Jesus says, not in my house. Not in my world. Because when we gather together in all of our differences, we show the world that God is one. That's not just a claim about the present, it's a claim about the future. God is one. It's essential from the Old Testament through to the New Testament, through to now and beyond now. It's painful because, just like Paul, we have to say, I've been crucified with Christ. It hurts to be with people who are different than me. Because I have to let go of something within me in order to do that. In order to be with people who are different than me, I have to do things that don't always feel good or that don't always feel comfortable. But it's not just that we're crucified with Christ. It's not that just that we want to cause harm to ourselves so we can be like Jesus in, his, in the cross, but we also know that just as Jesus was raised, we will live, and Christ lives in us. And so now I live in the body. I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You, me, us, as flawed as we are, as different as we may see the world, we're the hope of the world because Jesus is in this body of believers. 
Hope's not coming from somewhere else. I haven't lived an incredibly long time, but I think I've lived long enough to see that there, it's not coming elsewhere. So let's take it as our responsibility to be those people in the world. And somehow, some way, through our differences, God is going to make this world new. And you get to be a part of that. But not you alone. You plural. All of us. Let's do this together. And let's pray expectantly. Come, Lord Jesus. Last thing I want to say is if you've ever felt like you don't belong here, please just share that with me. or Share that with the leadership. I want to know what we can do to remind you that, you know, sometimes in leadership, like I know I'm not perfect. I might do things that might make you feel isolated, and I'm so sorry about that. Please know that I'm trying my best to know Jesus better and to be more like him. And it's, a, it's growing pains. But I want to remind you that you belong here. Not only that you belong here, but that you have a voice here. You're an essential part of God's kingdom. Every single one of you. You belong. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to sing that bridge one more time to Jesus is better to close us out. Uh, just because I can't think of a better way to declare to the world a world that's so divided, so broken, that Jesus is even better than that. Let's pray, and then let's give our praise to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love that, that you have given us, for the peace that goes beyond understanding. We just ask that that peace would be the glue that holds us together. And Father, give us the courage to name our differences, not as bad things, but just as reality. Help us name the, the things that could divide us, but really don't need to. Help us have the courage to name those things in ourselves so we can grow in deeper love for one another. Because we aren't just justified vertically, we are justified horizontally too. We are justified not just with the God of the universe, but we are justified with each other. So let us go as the people you have created, that you have mended out of this world, to go and be the healing agents in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.